You are listening to The Broken Up. Broken Up. The podcast for the disbanded. Hi, this is Donnie Service. You're listening to The Broken Up, my podcast where I talk to people about bands they've been in before and uh, consequently then broke up with, disbanded, ceased to be. And I started this project in 2016 and started recording some friends and colleagues and uh, for various reasons ended up having to shelve it for a while. But now I'm back and I'm finally following through and I'm putting this out there so you can listen to it. The first episode that I'm putting out here is with my friend Jeff from Elias and the Error. This was recorded in August of 2016. I've got some other friends I've talked to that we'll, we'll check out in some future episodes. And then I'm, I'm going to revisit Elias once or twice in upcoming episodes because he's got a great record coming out. But the whole point of this is being in a band, especially if you've been doing it your whole life, is kind of like having you know, a half dozen partners, be they, be they boyfriends, girlfriends, or, or something else. And you spend all this time creating these songs and records. And, you know, in my experience, at least we, we tend not to get very famous. It it hasn't happened yet. And yet we put our, our, our souls and our, our hearts into these projects because it's just what we love doing. And, so when one of these bands breaks up, sometimes there's years of effort put in and, you know, a couple records sometimes of, of material. And it's like putting your baby out in the world. And if you're not famous, if you're not uh, celebrated, or, or even if you are, you know, and again, I, I, don't, I can't speak to that experience, but when you let it go, and then a couple years pass and you have some distance from it and you look back, there's this feeling of, of, wow, I did that. And I miss that, but I also don't, you know? And so I wanted to do this podcast to talk to other people to explore that idea um, and that feeling. Because uh, everybody has a different relationship to their exes and everybody has a different relationship to their ex-bands. So I want to share this with you, and if you like it, if you hate it, if you want to share your thoughts and experiences, hit me up on Twitter, at The Broken Up. And with that, I hope you enjoy this episode with Elias in the Air. Hi, Elias. Good evening. Thank you for uh, for being on my show. Anytime. Uh, I will take any opportunity to talk about myself, so I'm glad to be here. This is, uh, that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to get people to talk about themselves. It's Wonderful. Uh, it's, it's got a good premise, I think. So um, let's just get the introductions out of the way. Who are you? Um, well, currently I am called Elias Veer. I am the all-seeing creator and I of a thing called Elias and the Error, which is like a cabaret synth punk band meets like surreal projection theater bullshit. Um, but I think we're here to talk about a band I was in a million years ago, uh, like 12 years ago, my very first band, and that was called Mighty Mohawk Man. Alliteration awesome. is fun. So, so when was Mighty Mohawk Man around? 
and doing uh, I, things. I did my first recordings for that in my garage using a karaoke machine to dub over myself. It was great. Uh, I did those in 2004, and then I got band members really late 2004, early 2005, and then we went under that name until 2007. Okay. And if you don't mind my asking, about what age were you approximately when that was going I on? was... Uh, I was like 14 or 15 when we first started, and I think by the time we we're done, I was almost 18. Okay. So I was I was a young teen punk, yeah. high school kid, doing my English homework and then playing at the punk venue. Very cool. And where can I ask where? Always. Um, uh, we are located in a city called Canton, Ohio, which is south of the also not notable Akron, Ohio, which is south of Cleveland, Ohio, so northeast Ohio. You had to go through a lot of unnotable uh, cities to get to, to where <laughs> yeah, you were Yeah, we're at. a suburb of a suburb. Like, Akron is not a city. It's just a suburb of Cleveland, really. And, like, we're a suburb of Akron. So we're really... The only thing that we have is uh, we have the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And then mm-hmm. uh, the next town over is uh, the Maslin Tigers, which is, like, the world's most famous high school, like, football team. Like, most winningest or something. Winningest. That's... That's great. Uh, I went to a high school that was very into football, and it was... Uh... See what it did to us? It, it was a very, uh, I, I don't want to use the word traumatic, I'm going to say enlightening <laughs> experience. Yeah, I'm going with the first one. I'll let you take the high road, though. That's great. Well, here, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to play a track right now, and uh, let's just take a listen, and then I'm going to get some, uh, some feedback from you okay. um, and sort, sort of background on it. So here we go. Um, this one is called I'm Too Famous For You. And 
that was Mighty Mohawk Man, I'm Too Famous for You. I'm here with Elias, the uh, the voice behind Mighty Mohawk Man. And, and the uh, sequencer man. I uh, used FL Studio back when it was called Fruity Loops. Um, I remember Fruity Loops. <laughs> yeah, when it was free. I actually used the demo version of it that was on their website, and you couldn't you, save you projects. I, you could only bounce them down. So literally, if I wrote a song, I had to leave the program open until I was ready to bounce it down. It was it was insane. Did nobody tell you that you could pirate Fruity Loops? I mean, everybody I know pirated Fruity Loops back I didn't know then, just, and okay. I might not know now, but only if Image Line <laughs> is trying to get... I don't think they're doing rock music, though. they're doing EDM well, now. So I well, it. you didn't pirate it. You used their demo, so you I did, followed the back rules. Then. You're, you're all good. Um, so who else was in this band? Uh, there was a guitar player. His name was Kyle Watermilt, and he's legitimately the punkest person that I know. Uh, still forever and always uh, totally like my brother. And then we had a keyboardist named Joe Javingo who was super into like really noisy industrial music and uh, he was a chaos bringer in a lot of ways and uh, we were chaotic. How did you meet these people? When I was in middle school actually, I'd met Kyle because his dad ran this like crazy like out wall haunted house. They had several acres of woods on their property and they were obsessed with Halloween. They had several cabinets full of like horror VHS tapes. And so every Halloween they would put together this crazy, like complex, over the top, totally legal, like renegade haunted house, like using like gun props with like blanks in them and shooting them at people, like crazy shit. Uh, part, like parts when people would go into like a cabin that was built literally to like fall apart as you know zombies were ripping it apart as they were going through it was nuts. Anyway, so uh, Kyle introduced himself by saying, "Hey, my we, my family does this thing, and I think you might like it. Uh, so you should come out." And I did, and like I was instantly like, "Oh my god, cool!" Like my first like real friend, and that was seventh grade. And then uh, Joe Javingo, <clears throat> the keyboard player, was uh, someone that my brother used to go to Denny's uh, with at four in the morning to play Dungeons and Dragons. So and that's all the introduction he gets. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what I love about this, you know, and um, there are a number of groups I want to talk to who started very young. And mm-hmm. I was in bands when I was a young kid, you know, like fifth grade, sixth grade, you know. And there's something about these bands that's very, like, a, it's a social construct to me. Um, it's not just uh, the legend or the myth behind uh, a band, you know, as we think of it in popular media. Like, there are it's happening all over all the time. It's kids that are making these bands together. And there's something about that that is really just, uh, um, I think, lost in the narrative of, of music. Music. Mm-hmm. You have these YouTube videos. And I think some of them were filmed on this derelict property. And when I first approached you to do this, you know, you sent me these YouTubes and I'm watching them. And I was totally reminded of when I was a kid and I found a camcorder, like my parents had one, uh, and I like found a bunch of blank tapes and me and my friends made a bunch of videos. Um, except yours are way better. <laughs> uh, but they still have that quality of um, youthful, like, um, just like uh, appetite for life, if you know what I mean. Sure. I've um, actually, I've thought about this a lot and a concept that I really like that I think explains 
the this phenomena, which I also find interesting, is that of uh, it's a Zen concept and it's the beginner's mind, and that is the most possibilities can be you know seen in an event by the person that knows the least about that event. So when mm-hmm. you're really young and you're making videos or making music, you have no idea what the rules are. You're just like super stoked to be doing it, and you'll say, "Why can't I have the guitar playing in one key synthesized on you know Fruity Loops, and then you know the keyboard I play live is playing something else?" Or just you you do all these crazy things because you don't know any better. And uh, then as you refine your thing, you get closer to how it all sounded in your head. And then everyone's like, I liked it better back when you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. It's like, but now I'm making the pop songs I've always wanted to make. But, you know, nobody had told you that what you were doing was wrong yet. Yes, they did. <laughs> we, were, we, were, well, we were really notorious in our area just because uh, we were, first and foremost, we were, I mean, obviously not musicians, you've heard the music, but uh, we were just all about chaos. And so we would book shows. And for us, it was more about creating this like surreal performance art where we would, um, a gag that we did that I want to say we're one of the first people to have thought of this, but uh, we used to bring like cleaning product, like bottles, like Windex and stuff. Um, We'd wash them out and like, you know, dry them really well and make sure we weren't going to die. And then we'd fill them with like a drink of the same color. And while we were playing, we'd just whip one out and start spraying people in the mouth and stuff. And they'd be like, oh my God, this dude's spraying Windex in my mouth. And then it's like, oh, it kind of tastes blue raspberry. That's cool then. But uh, yeah, we would just, we were all about like, you know, like clothes would come off and it was only like two or three shows into the hundred that we played that people also came and they were part of the performance in the sense that people would show up in costume or with like pool toys or, you know, whatever, and would just go nuts with us. And it was just this huge, uh, chaotic, like playground for punk teenagers. It was, it was great. That's yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, there was also, you know, um, it's hard to tell, uh, whether something at a certain point in time, like when you're younger, is, you know, a lot of people come and see it because they really like it, or a lot of people come and see it because there's nothing else for a teenager at that age to do, right? Like, it's the thing that's happening. And so there's this awkwardness of you never really know if people think it's good or not. Right. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there, uh, and especially too, because you and I both were young and in bands like before everything was a Facebook event and everything was a free show yeah. at a place that sold alcohol. So, um, you know, any event, you know, any band playing whatsoever was a destination because what else were you going to do? They already told you to get out of the mall for ordering in front of Hot Topic like three or four times that month. Yeah. So, where were you going to go? You were going to go to the punk rock show. So, you sent me this this YouTube link, and it's you and. Before I even opened the link, I just, I, I totally died at the concept of you played a hot topic and you played it twice. <laughs> <laughs> they like, really liked us. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to have a link to this uh, and other things, of course, in the description of this podcast, and uh, people can check that out. So here's this video, and it's you at a hot topic in a mall. Um, there's somebody playing what looks to be a Casio keyboard over by the shirts. Yep. There's a guy by the glass window facing the the outward of the mall, like people are walking by, and he's, I'm assuming the person you said is like the punkest person you ever knew? Yes, yes, that's Kyle. That's, uh, Kyle? Okay. And then there's you, <laughs> and you're not really facing the crowd, like your back is kind of half to the crowd, and... I'm going to encourage everybody listening to this to go check this out. There's something about this that is just so like raw and 
hilarious to me having I haven't even been in a hot topic since, you know, god 20 years now. Yeah, I don't even Here's like up. Doctor Who, so um <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to play just a short snippet of this cuz Obviously, it's just a, a camcorder recording and it's raw, but um, let's just get a taste of this. So, roughly about the time that I was 10, I realized that this next song wasn't very good. I think this is more what they're looking for. I'm playing guitar for them. So, you know, without going too far on it, but I mean, there's this quality of this sort of awkward youth going on and hamming it up and playing, you know, I mean, how do you feel when you watch this now, however many years later? Uh, I think in a way it's, I've always, it's in my blood to like constantly be down on myself. It's the reason why I like never stop working in a weird, like oxymoron. Like I think everything I do is terrible and that's why I have to make the next thing. And uh, looking back like at that, like it's obviously very bad, and I feel like I could totally smoke that guy right now, totally like freestyle me, bro, from the past. But it's better. It's honestly better than I remembered, and I think maybe uh, teaches me in the future a lesson to give myself a little more credit. That said, that's uh, t- so totally bad, and there's still terrible things about that that I still do. I'm still a pitchy vocalist, and uh, but I. Uh, I don't know, there were some surprisingly good lyrics in there, too. And I think now I would be more nervous to play in a Hot Topic than I was then. Maybe I felt like I fit in back then more because, you know, my hair was, like, pink or whatever. But uh, I think now I'd be like, like, why the hell am I here? When before I was like, guess what, motherfucker, we're here! (laughs) So, I mean, setting aside the concept of a Hot Topic being a music venue, um, (laughs) you, you hit the nail on the head there. I was thinking the same thing of... You know, there's no way I would be brave enough to play a Hot Topic today. I mean, the people who were in that Hot Topic, what were they, you know, they were there to get their skinny puppy shirt, and there was some, you know, like 15, 16-year-old band, you know, just just playing their hearts out. And I, I really enjoy it uh, from, from that sort of anthropological kind of insight into that. Um, tell me about what made you want to do it again, <laughs> where they booked you again. That is actually... No, that was the first time that we did it. The second time we did it, we actually played in the back right corner of the store because the last time uh, they said that, uh, I guess there was a noise complaint, but honestly, I think <laughs> they wanted to keep us away from the window because we made such great use of that window. Like, if we're going to be like these mannequins in this Hot Topic window playing, like, I was like taking clothes off the rack and wearing them and stuff, and we would like pose in the windows as people walked by and like mock, you know, uh, like be mock, like, upset when people would just walk all the way past the window without stopping or caring. People were like flipping us off through the window. So we love the window. And the main theme of my life is I have to lose things that I love. So they took the window away. They put us at the back of the room. And uh, I think that time (laughs) uh, we ended up bringing lighting 
and they but they wouldn't shut the star lights off for us. And at one point, the thing that we had the lighting on, I climbed to the top of and was up there singing a cover of the Time Warp from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Of course, that's like I'm surprised that they don't just play that on a loop in there. Um, but you know they they're too busy doing a Switchblade Symphony, uh, you know remixes and. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who uh, London After Midnight. I want to go to that hot topic because my hot topic is um my hot topic is. Uh, like Paramore and um, like Lincoln Park and like Insane Clown Posse. That's well, my hot topic in my neighborhood. So uh, my hot topic years were like 1996. Yeah, that was when so. it was good. What was crazy is we didn't have a hot topic in my town until like 2005, literally. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I used to, like me, my dad, and my brother used to drive an hour to Cleveland to Tower City Mall to shop at their hot topic back when, you know, it was like, you know, it was KMFDM and Marilyn Manson and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, looking at this as sort of this this moment in time, do do you still talk to these people that uh, where you were in the band with? They they both moved out of state um, for different mm-hmm. reasons. They live together now though, which is weird. They they became very very close brothers, which was awesome. Uh, and so they're off in Indianapolis, uh, living the dream, I guess. <laughs> so I don't have too much contact with them anymore because they're both kind of Luddite-esque. Uh, I was always the one that, you know, would make our MySpace page and, and all that stuff. And they are like, they're still the dudes that are like, I don't know if I really want a smartphone. So they're kind of hard to get a hold of now hmm. that they're out of state. But uh, they come back to town every once in a while. And uh, Kyle actually did, um, he came back and did a couple shows with Elias in the Air, uh, filling in uh, in like 2013, which was great to have him back. So yeah, still around. And like it, my whole musical career is this huge revolving door. So if uh, geographically, logistically, financially it ever worked out, I would be glad to have them back. So how did it, did it end in terms of people moving or was there a moment where the band broke up or what was the sort of... There wasn't a conscious breakup as much as we just became uninterested. Our second record uh, was called Foring Circus. It's a really clever title, I promise. And uh, it was like this uh, weird industrial like concept album. And so... I always have this like David Bowie slash Prince like need to reinvent like I have to prove to people that my range is bigger than it was last time. So we wanted to follow it up with like a '60s like psychedelia record, which is really weird and like the craziest jump you could make after making a record that was like super like KMFDM and Marilyn Manson influenced. And uh, I don't know, it just kept falling apart. And uh, I don't know, just I I really don't know. It just it kind of slowly drifted apart to where there wasn't like a this is over. It's just like are we playing a show? Not anytime soon. Okay. Uh, but we then, uh, in like 2009, got back together under the name Elias Iscariot, which is also really clever, let me tell you. And mm-hmm. uh, that, the mall performance is actually from when we were under that name, but it was the same band, uh, and we put out uh, two records under that name as well. Very cool. I'm going to play a little bit of Streetlights here. Yeah, you see us a, a little more of a taste here. Let's see.
cool. That was uh, that was Street Lights from Mighty Mohawk Man. It's true. Who, we've, uh, who is Mighty Mohawk Mohawk Man no more? Um, so I, I'm I'm thinking of a band, and they would be. This is the I I would have discovered you opening for this band game, um, and I want you to to throw out a, a couple guesses as to who you think I'm thinking of. Guarantee you one. Hundred Gil in Final Fantasy fourteen. It's mindless self indulgence. <laughs> Knew it. And it w- was that easy? I mean, did a lot of people make that comparison? People still fucking make that comparison. I cannot get away from it. I'm writing mm-hmm. like seven minute songs about talking to my dead dog, and it's like me and piano. And they're like, "Yeah, dude, sounds like MSI." Um, apparently tonight, that's my corny voice. By the way, the ha ha ha. That's okay. But, no, we, we got to experiment and find our radio voices. There's more than one. True. I got to find my radio face too because the one I'm pulling right now is freaking me out. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, I mean, I was a huge fan of mindless self indulgence. My older brother had got into them. I think he saw him opening for Corn in like 2000, and mm-hmm. uh, I got all my music from my older brother. So um, we had you know the first two, and then they started coming around and doing like bars. And so we had seen them a couple times in like tiny venues, uh, like 2002, 2003. And their demeanor was like a huge, because they did not give a fuck, especially back then, like, you know, drinking their own piss, like lighting themselves on fire, Gigi Allen sort of shit. And uh, they, they didn't care at all. And I think that carried over because I liked that they made fun of how serious rock music took itself. And that definitely became, honestly, probably still part of me now. I really hate how... Uh, sort of self-effacing uh, musicians can be, and I can't help but kind of mock the idea of being a very, very serious artist. I, I can't help but mock it at all times. As long as we're not talking about David Bowie, I'm totally on board. With I know the Holy Trinity for me is like <laughs> David Bowie, Trent Reznor, and like Prince. I think are like my three like gods. Yeah, there's a. It was funny. Um, a, a good friend of mine who I'm in a band with now. Um, just sent me this link of Marilyn Manson. Apparently, he's on tour right now, and uh, he's uh, up to no good. I've heard. Uh, and uh, there's this video of him, and he's like high as fuck, just like running through the crowd. And he's he runs back to the the front of house position with his wireless mic, and uh, he he walks right up behind and then next to the front of house engineer who's mixing the show. And he's just like singing beautiful people, whatever. And he just grabs the master fader and just flicks it forward. And you can hear from the cell phone, the PA go boom. And then Holy like shit. <laughs> the guy pulls it back and uh, I'm sure the PA could handle it, but it was just hilarious. We were always punk enough to not trash venues though. Like we would never mess with equipment or anything. It was well, always but like, you have, to, you have to understand this, this isn't him at a venue or a bar. This is his tour. Right. He's on tour with um, Slipknot. Right. This is his, like, he know he hired this sound guy. So it, it, the sound guy can't do that thing. where like, oh, I couldn't believe the band. And I, I mean, it's his boss, right? Right. <laughs> so what do you do? But the reason I, I, I mentioned that is my friend is predicting um, that Marilyn Manson is going to die this year. And my only response to that was, I don't think Marilyn Manson, um, has earned the right to die in the same year as David Bowie and Prince and that would you know, be Lemmy yeah and, that would be really interesting as people try and you know make that it always comes in threes angle and try and put him on the on the third point of that triangle if you will it's funny you bring him up though because not only do I consider him uh, definitely a huge influence but uh, he's from the city where I'm sitting right now uh, he went to uh, he was born in 
he was born here and he went to like Christian school here and he had mm-hmm. sex in the pizza place that's like six miles away from here, so says his autobiography. And uh, he lived here till he was like 17. So he didn't start making music until he'd moved to Florida. But mm-hmm. this is the hometown of Marilyn Manson. Wow, he's like a local celebrity. Yeah, he came back one year and I guess was at a Walmart and like people were like losing their minds. Is there like a statue of him like in front of City Hall or something? That would be great. I don't, um, Ohio actually has, Northeast Ohio has this really great tradition of these artists that are used like visuals to create like commentary and just be really theatrical because mm. um, within an hour from where I'm sitting, you have uh, Screaming Jay Hawkins, I Put a Spell on Me, that, you know, f- probably the first shock rocker, if you will. He was a dude that would come out of a coffin in a vampire costume and do these like crazy voodoo soul songs. And then Devo is from 20 Minutes Up the Road, huge Devo fan. And again, another band that was highly visual and used their platform to just kind of mock the. Uh, masses, if you will, and then Marilyn Manson, again, another super defiant, super creative visual artist from the same era as me, and I often talk a lot of shit, and here's some more. I really want to be the next one in line for that. I want to be the next artist from Northeast Ohio that was really visual and really outspoken and used my platform to just be like, I don't know what the answer is, but we're going to laugh at the people that don't have it. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Hey, um, so tell me now... Uh, you're you're doing some interesting stuff these days, I hear. I would like to, to think so. Uh, I have my current band, Elias and the Error. Uh, we toured a little bit in March and April behind an EP called Seance and Sacrament. And uh, sometime in the next six weeks, uh, our new record will be out, and that's called As Creeped Out As You Are By Watching This, I'm Living It. So that's my band, Elias and the Error. And I also do music for a uh, upcoming television series called Magic Funhouse, which is a sitcom written and directed and starring uh, YouTube sensation Brandon Rogers, who I've been working wow. with for like six years. Um, he got noticed, and a few different like production houses were like, "Hey, we want a script, and we want to see you do something." And uh, now hmm. it's upon us. So we're uh, so is that um, going to be on YouTube? Is that going to be on a network? What's the? I am not allowed to answer that question, Ooh, but I, will, I love that. I will tell you that all the news is good news, and that's all that I can say. All right, so you heard it here first, folks. Elias and the Error and his uh, TV show appearing right after Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, season 7. <laughs> and it actually shares the same cast, too, strangely enough. Yeah, and everybody dies every every episode, right? Yeah, it could be... Um, it'd be really interesting <laughs> if Game of Thrones ended that way every episode, but it was like the Eric Andre show where he comes out and destroys his set at the beginning of every episode, and then it oh, just yeah. rematerializes. So at the end of every episode of Game of Thrones, everyone just dies, and then they reanimate, and they're like, not this shit again, and then it's credits. Or they just appear without explanation. Yeah, like. It, like they they died last episode, but here's that hard Stark again here to. Some people would really like that. It'd make them happy. <laughs> so I'm going to play. Um, now you said six weeks from now, but um, knowing me, I'm going to take a while to edit this and put it together. So it may even be closer to your release. Okay. And I will I will check with you before I air this episode, of course. But it sounds to me like I'm getting to preview something. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can play this thing in full. You can put it up for download. This is the first time anybody's heard a full song off this. I just put my hand in front of my mouth. That's poor. That's poor radio uh, etiquette. <laughs> me. I've been eating a bag of chips this whole time, but I've got a plug-in to to take it out. So it's, if I had a bag of chips here, I would put it over my head and cut two eye holes in because it'd probably look pretty sweet. You know what? The, the noisiest thing I have here. This is a good one. I want you to find the noisiest thing. Is it a in vintage bag of Sun Chips? It's a Ziploc bag. Full oh. of 
I was about to say, I'm not going to tell you what's inside of it. <laughs> it's Smarties, candies. Look, I'm TM. right next to the rehearsal studio, okay? Uh, <laughs> Everybody would like to thank Smarties for sponsoring this podcast. Smarties, no. eat fresh. And also Audible, free download with the promo yeah, code. Everybody slash has an Audible. Slash, slash. So here's here's the great thing about like not giving a fuck about your band with your podcast is I'm not doing any commercials. Fuck that shit. Pow! So here I am. I've got queued up. This is, I'm going to call it, dare I say... The world premiere. This is uh, Donnie Service in 2020, just interrupting four years later to say this was not the world premiere. It is the world premiere. You can, you don't have to dare to be truthful. I'm going to go on a limb and say that the first interview on The Broken Up is going to feature the world premiere. This might like skyrocket me into the stratosphere and then I'll have to get a bunch of ads to pay for the bandwidth and eat my words. It'll but. skyrocket you into the stratosphere, <laughs> but don't forget you're leaving behind your credit score on the ground, buddy. Oh, man. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll remember there. the little people. So here we go. World premiere, Elias and the Error, Eating for Two. It's true. It's sweet to be a chickadee when the sky is blue and big, but you can't maintain a nest when it's hard to come by twigs. Misfortune's end is just beyond the bend, or so we said. Stitch the other back together at the price of their own thread. The lovers, they know one of them is eating for two. She's nervous, it shows, and he's not sure what he wants to do. You're pregnant. It's hopeless, they know. It's worthless, they know. It's impossible and useless and fruitless, they know. It rains on their wings and their eyes always sting. The voice in their heads incessantly sings. Everyone is happy once again. Everyone's And when I uh, edit that together, I'm going to actually put the file in instead of just a mono version on my phone. So if it sounds cool. weird to you, it's because it's going through a bunch of adapters. And It is, sounds uh, weird to me because it's going through my body and my diaphragm. That's <laughs> good. That's good. That's how it should. Right? Music for the soul? I suppose so, unless you find your own soul like repulsive. You're just like, oh my god, I was sharp there. Oh, shit. Why Why can you hear that punch there? That's all I hear when I listen to my own stuff. I'm just like, ah. I'm like the only person I know that just has such a terribly healthy ego that I, uh... Actually, no, wait, I'm lying. <laughs> I was just about to try to say that I don't do that with my music, but I actually totally do. Like, I destroy it, but, like, if I'm going to talk to somebody else about it, like, I'm super stoked. I don't know how that is the way that it is, but, like... 
when I personally have to think about it, I'm just like, I could have did that better. But then when someone else is like, hey, tell me about your band, I'm like, well, do you have a favorite band? Because if not, you're about to. <laughs> What's well, good? Well, Elias, I have to thank you so much for being the first, the guinea pig, the uh, willing subject uh, for my podcast, The Broken Up. Uh, I am sure we'll be talking again uh, at another future date, uh, either on this show or another love the music and I, I really enjoyed you uh, sharing this very uh, what what some would say is a very personal and uh, you know very formative part of your uh, musical experience thank you I will take any opportunity not only to talk about myself but to learn about myself because isn't that the meaning of life <laughs> yeah and can you put echo on that like right oh yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll have a bunch of echoes